You're listening to the Soul Strategies Podcast with your host, Z. Cohen Sanchez. We hope you enjoy the latest episode and thanks for tuning in. Hello, everybody. It's been a week. I'm just going to make sure that everything is working here okay while we wait for some folks to jump on. But really, what a week this has been. Also, my, oh, that's much better in terms of lighting. Well, actually, nope. Lighting here is not the best. Hold on one second. Sorry, guys. I don't know why my lighting is like not doing super hot right now, but that's okay. Um, oh, okay. I guess the closer I go, the better it is. Um, excellent. So, um, again, I'm just going to wait guys a couple of minutes, um, just to let some folks jump on here. Um, I did want to say that, you know, if you're jumping on, thanks. I know that this has been um, really like a never ending week, <laughs> to be honest, uh, since, you know, basically since Monday or Tuesday, um, you know, it's just, it's felt really, um, stressful, never ending. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about if this was a win for the democratic party. Um, and I have my own opinions on that. Um, we have our company's positions on that, um, but I want to jump on the live to get other people's perspectives on, you know, what what actually just happened. Um, you know, it's, as I said, it's been a really long and stressful week, and so I just wanted to connect with our audience to see how you guys are all feeling about that. So if you are uh, tuning in right now, um, definitely let me know that you're on. Um, I'd love, I always love to just, you know, feel like I'm not just sort of talking to myself here, although sometimes that's okay. Um, so, you know, I'm going to start this live with a story. Um, and so don't mind me, um, but I think that it's really important to talk about uh, my involvement in the primary process, how that looked, why that mattered. Um, so for those of you guys who don't know, um, I did, I've done a lot of work for Bernie. Um, a lot of work. Pretty close to, I would say, six years, seven years of work. I've known about Bernie for a really long time. Um, I was really, really supportive in the early stages of him running. Um, and so, you know, one of the poignant moments, I think, for me and the story I want to tell you guys is about um, when I raised money in March, oh, sorry, in February of, of this year, right before COVID hit. Um, and I raised about $2,000 because I wanted to take a group of folks with me up to Reno, Nevada. And people ask me, you know, why did I cho choose Reno specifically? And my answer to that is that you know, I lived in Las Vegas for almost two years. Uh, I have a lot of family in Las Vegas. I'm very familiar with the area. Um, my grandparents live there. My aunt, um, you know, grew up there. Uh, we visited Las Vegas a lot when I was a kid growing up. As I said, that's where my grandparents were from. That's where my aunt's from, my cousins. Um, and so, you know, knowing a little bit about uh, Nevada and how Nevada is, uh, you know, it was really important to me specifically to get working class folks out there to vote. It was something that I knew I needed to do. I know I could have gone to California. I could have gone, 
you know, to other places. But to me, it was really important that I went to Nevada and, and worked with folks out there, um, particularly in a spot like Reno that, you know, there are a lot of disenfranchised voters out in Nevada. Um, and, you know, it's not just Las Vegas um, and Reno. There are a lot of different parts of it, a lot of rural parts. Um, and, you know, read some stories about uh, Bernie supporters out there and their work out there. And it's really, really inspiring, specifically in the rural areas. Um, but the reason why I chose Reno is because I knew that it had a very large uh, Hispanic population and that we really needed to get those folks out there to vote and their their voting records in the past had been very very low and so I thought you know it would be a great opportunity to be able to go out there um, even for just a couple of days and get those doors knocked so that we could have a really successful caucus so for those of you guys who don't know um, Nevada has a caucus um, and not they, they don't vote in person um, the caucus process is really cool. <laughs> um, I don't know how I feel about it, uh, you know, in, in general, in terms of, of I, I mean, maybe not even fairness isn't the right word, but, but the caucuses are really awesome. And the reason why I find the caucus so awesome is because it's really about a community conversation, right? It's not just you going to, you know, your local school or your gym, wherever, wherever it is that you vote and filling out a little bubble and voting. Um, it's more about really having community connection. Um, and so I had never um, been a part of an actual caucus, at least not in a room. I had done remote work before in places like Iowa um, and other, other states that had caucuses, but I hadn't actually been in a caucus room before. And so I wanted to have that experience and I wanted other people to have that experience too. And so going into it, you know, I live, for those of you guys who don't know, in Portland, Oregon. Um, and I was lucky enough to have about 14 of my friends that said, hell yeah, let's take a, let's take a road trip up to Reno and work for the campaign for a couple of days, for the last couple of days. And so um, folks from all walks of life um, came up with me. We got a 12 passenger van and we overfilled it. Um, and I went up with people like uh, Paige Kreisman who challenged Rob Nose for the state, um, state house race here in Portland and did very, very well. Um, love Paige so much. I went up with people uh, from my union. Um, you know, I worked for the nurses union, so I had people um, from my union that came with me. Um, I had folks that I've done organizing with, work with um, here in Portland. And, you know, we all came together, we got in this van and we left on a late, very late on a either Wednesday or Thursday night and got up to uh, the campaign office in Reno. We like got a big Airbnb. It was, it was super cool. It was so exciting. Um, and we spent two days or at least one day, maybe two days, I think we did two days um, of just door knocking, right? And so we went out, um, you know, we went to the campaign office. It was it was awesome. We got to meet the staff. Um, we were putting together clipboards, we were putting together materials, and we were out there and we were hitting the streets. And it was really interesting because I was having conversations with uh, volunteers, which by the way, um, the one of they had multiple offices in Reno, but the office that we were at, um, you know, a, a friend of mine was actually staffed there. Uh, and so we were, you know, spending a lot of time in the office doing a lot of office based work. And I was having a lot of conversations with volunteers about how they thought it would go and, you know, what they were hearing at the doors and all of these other things. And, you know, people were mostly telling me, you know, a lot of people want to vote for Bernie. They don't know that he can win, but they really, they really want to vote for him. 
Um, and so I, when I was asking them what their predictions were, they were like, well, we think we'll do okay, but you know, our strong states are not places like you know, Nevada necessarily. Um, so we think that we'll do pretty well. Um, we'll definitely hold our ground, but in terms of winning, not really sure. Um, and so I sort of took that and I was like, all right, well, that's interesting because the doors that I was knocking, um, I was getting a lot of folks um, that were really, really excited about Bernie, particularly about his um, eliminating college debt plan. Um, also about raising the minimum wage. Uh, a lot of folks were talking about the effects of climate change and them being scared about that and what that would look like for their own kids and for the next generation. And they thought that Bernie had the, the most solid plan um, to deal with, with the climate crisis. And so, you know, we got up super early Saturday morning for the caucus. Again, I really wasn't expecting much. Um, I was hoping that we would do well. I knew that we had put the work in for absolute sure. And so we got to the caucus, you know, we, with, as I said, there were 14 of us. So we were split up. Um, we were all caucus captains, um, but we were split up pretty much all across Reno. Um, and so we were all texting each other and letting each other know what was going on. Um, you know, the Democratic Party was really sort of giving me a real good runaround. Um, I was being threatened to be thrown out of the caucus because um, I was engaging with people about who they were voting for, which by the way, you're allowed to do. Um, and that, that's actually the whole point of the caucus is to be engaging with the community. Um, and I had some woman that was, you know, trying to kick me out of the caucus and I had other people um, that were experiencing the same thing. And I have to shout out Bernie's campaign because they were so much more prepared than we were in 2016. I mean, they had a, a caucus line, which basically was a line that, you know, as caucus captains, we could dial into that line if we thought that something illegal was happening, um, if somebody was telling us something that we didn't think was accurate, and somebody, uh, you know, on national staff would basically respond to that. And so I had to call the caucus line a couple of times um, for different things that were happening, but overall it was a really awesome process. Like people were just really, really responsive. Um, and so that day, um, you know, people were sort of trickling in in the morning. I was talking to people in line. I was canvassing them as they were going in, talking to them about what was important to them. And I start to notice that every person I'm talking to is voting for Bernie. I mean, and I'm thinking to myself, this has to be wrong. Like, they're, they're just telling me this because, you know, I mean, every, every canvasser goes through this, right? Like, you you go up to somebody, you have a conversation, and you know they're actually not voting for that person. They just don't want to talk to you anymore, and so they're just going to tell you what you want to hear so that effectively you go away. Um, and so I just thought that that was what was happening to me, and I was like, okay, whatever. You know, I'll, you know, whatever, essentially. People are going to do what they do. Um, and so when we actually got into the caucus process, um, and it's really interesting, guys, for those of you guys who have never been in a caucus. So um, the way that they do it in Nevada is that they have um, everybody essentially comes into the room. So it's like a gym. Usually they have a cutoff time. So the cutoff time, I believe, for the caucus was like somewhere around 10 or 11 a.m. Um, and after that point, you're basically locked in the room. You can't go in and you can't go out. If you leave the caucus area, um, then you you don't you don't get to participate in the caucus you have to stay throughout the whole process and so um you know everybody was sort of sitting in the gym um you know sitting in the in the bleachers waiting um for the caucus uh caller i guess you could call them the the person from the party to come up and announce 
the person's name, the, the candidate's name. And then what would they, what they did was they asked people to then go into a corner so that they could count those people from the precinct. So in this particular gym that I was in, it was made up of about four precincts, maybe five precincts. Um, and so there was, you know, people from precinct A over here, people from precinct B over here, people from C, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so when the Democratic Party came up and asked, uh, the first person that they mentioned was Pete Buttigieg. And they were like, please stand up if you are caucusing here for Pete Buttigieg. And I think two people stood up. And by the way, there was about... Uh, I would say total in the gym, there was probably maybe 500 or so people, maybe less than that, maybe between, between 350 and 500, I would say. That's just like an estimate. Um, and with each precinct, some precincts were really small. So some precincts only had like two or three people. Others had hundreds. So the one that I was observing had about 150 people in it um, out of the four or five precincts in the room. So, um, you know, in, in my particular precinct that I was observing, we had two people out of the 100 stand up for Pete Buttigieg, and I was like, okay, cool. Um, and then they went on to Joe Biden, and one person, <laughs> one person in the entire gym, out of every single precinct, stood up. One person, one lady. Um, and, yeah, and she was very vocal. It was actually pretty funny. Um, but everybody was just sort of looking at her like, I don't know why... Joe Biden's even still in the race at this point because he, he had lost so horribly in Iowa um, and in New Hampshire. Um, and so it was kind of funny to watch that process. And then when they announced Bernie's name, about 95 out of 100 people stood up in the bleachers. And guys, it was a moment that I will, I don't think I'll ever forget it. It was like everybody just sort of looked around like, do we all agree on, like, did, is this like everybody like do we all we're all in agreement that it's Bernie Sanders right now and you know the the person that was running the caucus was like everybody sit down too many people <laughs> too many people we can't we can't have you guys all um you know go into one corner because it'll it, it's just too many people so we're just going to record it as Bernie Sanders has won this this precinct um and so it was just such an incredible moment um out of my gym I think that the only precinct that Bernie didn't win was the precinct where there was two people in it. I think it was a mother-daughter, if I can remember correctly. But they were definitely family, for sure. I don't know if it was a mother or daughter or not. But essentially, uh, one of them voted for Bernie and the other one voted for Elizabeth. And then they had to do a coin flip for who was going to win the precinct, which was really weird. Um, and it ended up going to Elizabeth Warren. So whatever I mean I don't even really count that um, and it was kind of funny because I remember it, it, I said either it was her daughter or somebody in her family was like what like why like it's you know and it, it was kind of a funny process to watch but so why am I telling you guys that story so you know in a place that is you know Reno to me um, is one of the most working class I mean one of the places in this country that could could really represent does represent the working class of this country um, and you know I've traveled all over this country um, working in in working class communities and you know to me Reno really sort of represents that and so I don't think that Bernie um, was at all a fluke I don't think it was a fluke that 95 people stood up that day and I don't think that it was a fluke that Bernie won Nevada by as much as he did I, ju I just I don't um, and you know if we look at the at the map of where Bernie won and we overlay that with where Joe Biden and the centrists do poorly that's also something that we need to be paying attention to um, and you know 
specific places like Nebraska, right? Like Maine, like Michigan, uh, you know, all of these places, Bernie did exceptionally well, right? Idaho, Utah, Alaska, I, I mean, you know, Wyoming, Wisconsin, all of these working class, particularly the Rust Belt states, is really where Bernie shines. And it's interesting because those states, particularly, were either very close for Biden or Trump won, right? So looking at the places that, you know, Trump won is really, really concerning. You know, there's a couple of things that were concerning to me about this race. Um, one of them is that it was way too close. Um, I. I just, I don't believe anybody that tells me that if Bernie Sanders was the nominee for the Democratic Party, that we would have won this in a landslide. I just, I know that that's the case. Um, and I know that that's the case, again, because if you overlay the map with the places that Joe Biden struggled in, most of those are Rust Belt states. Most of those are states that the working class feel disenfranchised. Most of those states have, you know, not not excellent uh, voting methods. And so like they do things like they close polls and they have voter disenfranchisement um, and voter suppression. And so none of this is shocking to me whatsoever. I mean, I knew going into this that if Joe Biden was the nominee, that this was gonna be a very close election. And we all saw that. Saw that. We all um, saw that it could have very easily gone to Trump, right? Um, thank God for the mail-ins. Uh, I really am, you know, thankful for places like Georgia. Um, but, you know, I also know that places that were close, like Wisconsin, like Georgia, like Pennsylvania, would have gone for Bernie in a landslide. And so why, why are we talking about this? So, you know, if you ask my personal opinion, and this is just me, Z, talking. This is not me, Z, as the director of Soul Strategies or anything like that. I'm just going to be totally upfront with you guys as the person that I am. I don't think that this is a win for the Democrats. In fact, I think that this should be an eye-opener for the Democrats that if we don't organize our communities in the next four years, we will absolutely end up in this place again. And sure, it might not be Trump, but let me tell you that there are plenty of Trump folks out there and there are plenty of them that are going to want to run for office. And I'm just letting you know now that if we think that, you know, as AOC said, if we just all think we're going back to brunch, we're going to have a real, real tough time in the next four years in this country. Um, you know, I'm with y'all. I celebrated too. I'm, I'm so glad that we have now at least a person that has some type of integrity. Um, I disagree with Joe Biden on 95% of what he what he thinks is right. Um, I think it's absolutely disgusting that he can get up on, on stage right now and talk about how fracking is okay and how it's good and how we should encourage it. Um, I, I completely disagree with him on student loans. I think that uh, student loans are predatory, and I think that people need to have those loans canceled in order to actually make a life for themselves. Um, I disagree with him. Um, I'm, as I said, pretty much everything except for the minimum wage. I, I really respect Joe Biden that he is going to do something about the minimum wage, particularly in states like the South, um, where minimum wage is atrocious and hasn't gone up. Um, so, you know, there's there's just a lot... Of, of work is what I'm trying to tell you guys is that uh, what I fear is that everybody's going to go back to sleep and I'm just letting I'm here to let you know that we are not going back to sleep not here at Soul Strategies um, not me personally and not anybody on my staff and not any candidate that that we're working with 
Um, so for those of you guys who don't know, our signature program is our Kickstart fundraising program. This cycle of candidates, this cohort that we're working with now, we have 12 amazing candidates from all over the country. And these folks are all, as I said, we only work with no corporate money candidates. These people are stepping up for their community to talk about, you know, why, to, to, to really sort of question the incumbents and to talk about the issues that actually matter and to fight for the working class. And it's been so inspiring to see these candidates, to hear their why, to hear their story, to hear how they've struggled, how their families have struggled, um, and what they're gonna do to solve that. And it's been truly, you know, I'm not a religious person, but for lack of a better word, a blessing, you know, to be able to to work with these folks and to get them on the right track so that they're not worried about fundraising three months before their election, like a lot of us progressives are, because fundraising is such a huge issue for a lot of us because we're relying on grassroots we're, we're relying on the grassroots, we're relying on the small dollars. We don't have people like Joe Biden has in his back pocket. Um, we don't have the corporations that are gonna sponsor us because they don't agree with us. Um, and that's okay because our candidates don't need corporate money um, and they don't want corporate money. And so my challenge to you is that if you are thinking about running for office, you know, now is the time year and a half, two years before you run is the time to make that happen. And I am saying that to put pressure on you because the work begins yesterday. This is the time that we need to organize our communities. This is the time that we need to be having tough conversations. And the only way that we're gonna be able to do that is if we get adequate representation. Um, and not just in federal positions, but in local positions. Um, at Soul Strategies, we really believe in the power of local politics. Um, school board positions, city council positions. These are all positions that make serious, serious decisions that affect the community directly. And so to ignore those positions and only vote for president once every four years is not good enough. It's just not good enough. It's just not. Um, we need to be involved every single step of the way. Um, Jeremy also said he refuses to look at Medicare for all, despite it being statistically popular issue by a long shot. Exactly. Listen, guys, on Fox News the other day, I saw a tweet go out not so long ago, maybe yesterday, that 72% of people that watch Fox News support Medicare for all. So if, if we're talking about what the most popular positions are, then, you know, Medicare for all should be on every single Democrat's ticket, uh, uh, sorry, every Democrat's platform, and it's not. And so we really need to talk about why that is, and we need to question the people that are funding these people. Soul Strategies, we are fundraisers. That's what we do. And so we take the money that you're taking very, very seriously. And by the way, we are watching. We watch all of the incumbents. We see where they're getting their money from. We follow Open Secrets. We, we follow all of these websites where we can see and track where the money's coming from. And let me tell you guys, for those of you guys who are not doing that, it is not good and it is getting worse. Um, you know, even five, 10 years ago, we weren't seeing nearly as much corporate money coming in and out of campaigns as we're seeing today. And so what that tells us is that we need more working folks like you to step up and run. So 
please let us know if you are thinking about this. No pressure at all. Like we, we're not going to tell you to run for a certain seat that you don't want to run for. We're not going to pressure you, um, you know, but we want to have a conversation with you because these things really do matter. And as I said, the work starts right now. The work starts for the 2021 races. For those of you guys who think we're in an off election year, there really is no off election year. Um, in 2021, we have mayoral seats all over the country that are gonna that are up for re-election. We have city council seats all over the country. I believe that 30, either 33, I think it's 33 seats out of 60, um, out of 60 city council seats are up for re-election in New York City this year. Um, sorry, next year in 2021. These are all seats that we need to be taking very, very seriously. Um, because again, we need to follow Bernie Sanders' lead. If we are gonna make change, change takes place from the bottom up, not from the top down. And so we need to be, we need to be doing that. Um, so our next kickstart cohort, if you're starting your campaign and you're ready to raise money for that campaign, our next kickstart cohort is going to be starting on December 10th, um, and running through January 10th. And guys, this is going to, this is a life changing program. This is a transformational program. Um, the folks that we bring in have no fundraising experience. They, most of them have never run a campaign before and we help them not just set up their campaign and their foundation, but we help them every single step of the way. We help them raise that initial money. Um, we help them get in touch with their, you know, with, with people that they're going to hire to be on their staff. Um, we do a lot of that groundwork so that it's easy on working class folks to make this happen. Um, and somebody said, of course they won quit whining. Uh, I don't know what that means, but if you want to clarify, please clarify. Um, you know, it's, it's not, you know, and if, if your, if your comment is quit whining because they won, I don't think that's good enough. I'm sorry. Um, you know, if we want to end back, if we want to end up here again in four years, guys, that's fine. I mean, we can do that. Um, but if we want to change this country, then we, we need to do something about it now. And the reality is, is that I want you all to go out today or tomorrow if you can't go out today because of COVID related things. But one day this week, I want you to go out and I want you to thank a working class woman of color because working class women of color delivered this win for the Democrats. And don't let anybody tell you anything otherwise. That's exactly what happened. People should be going out and thanking Stacey Abrams because guess what? If I don't agree with Stacey Abrams on every single issue, but the reality was, was that she went out and she registered folks. And that's exactly what we need to be doing as progressives. So guess what? I am completely on her side and I'm going to support her every single step of the way because that is how we build working class power in this country is that we need to bring new people into the process. And if we keep going on this trajectory of oh, letting old people vote because, oh, well, we don't need young people to vote because old people are the only ones that vote. Bullshit. I'm sorry, but young people also delivered this victory for the Democrats. And guess what? A lot of them were really unhappy about it, but they went out and they voted. And guess what, guys? That's not going to happen forever because eventually you're, they're going to get sick of that strategy. And so if you want young people to come out, if you want working class women of color to come out, if you want these organizers to come out and vote for a campaign, then we need to do something about getting people into these positions that are going to actually represent their best interests. Because the fact that Joe Biden won, I don't think 
was because of Joe Biden at all. I think it was because people were terrified of Trump. And that doesn't work every single time. Because guess what? People were afraid of Trump in 2016 and, and Trump won because people did were not willing to vote for Hillary Clinton. And if the centrists think that they can just keep repeating the same process over and over again, what's gonna end up happening is that eventually we're going to have a dictator that we can't get out. And I'm, you know, I'm really, really excited that Trump is going to be out. I don't know if he's gonna be stepping down yet. I mean, that, that whole process is yet to come. But the, you know, saying that you know we're whining because we're thinking about the long-term strategy isn't okay because guess what all we have guys is the long-term strategy now we can't just we're not going back to brunch we're not going back to sleep we're not this is a new day in america people are waking up today and so you know what you can do as a democrat even if you're a centrist is support those folks because guess what you're not going to win just with the centrist crowd it's not gonna work anymore. The progressives are up, they're here, and they were willing to do a favor to make sure that Trump is out of office, and we're all so excited that he's gone. I honestly, I mean, thank God that he's out. But again, this can only work so many times. So please, this week, go thank a working class woman of color for the work that they did. Go thank the person that were, was registering new voters. Thank the people that were out there knocking doors for Bernie Sanders, because guess what? They went and they knocked doors for Joe Biden too, a lot of those folks, even though they really, really, really didn't want to, because they knew that their best interests were not going to be met with Joe Biden, but they did it anyway. And so please thank those people um, and encourage them, encourage them to keep going and to keep working for the, for the people that they do care about. And guess what? We have so many open seats. 2021, 2022, we have so many open seats and we're going to take back everything. This is the time for progressives to step up and do and do the work that we we've, we've set out to do and we need to thank bernie sanders for that we need to thank aoc for that we need to thank ilhan omar for that ayanna presley all of these people that are stepping up and saying enough is enough we have to thank those people for that because without them we wouldn't have a structure to move forward but guess what guys we have a structure we have a trajectory we have a path and now our job is to go and fulfill that so please continue to register new voters right this is how we stop disenfranchising folks continue to register people continue to talk about the issues continue to talk about medicare for all a green new deal all of these things and it's going to pay off in the long run because guess what 2024 guys that's going to be our year and if you're not following some of these people you know i want you to go out and I want you to give money to your local progressive candidates because they're out there fighting the big fight for you. And so get behind them, give them a donation, offer to knock doors for them, offer to register voters for them. But please, I'm begging you all to not go back to sleep because as I said, unless you wanna end up in four years from now in the same position, it is our time to take back over and take our party back. The Democrats have always, well, should have been the working class party of this country. That's what we set out to be. The, we are the, the Democratic Party was always meant to be the working class people's party, and it is not anymore. And so we need to return to our roots. Our roots is working class. Our roots is FDR. Our roots are those people. And so we can't just keep saying that the corporations control everything, because guess what? A lot of people are not seeing the difference anymore between the Democratic Party and the Republicans. And we need to change that. And we're going to. I know that you are. I know that you're thinking right now that 
there's a seat that you could run for, is there's a progressive in your area that you could support. So go out there and make that happen. All right, guys, enough on my rant. Um, <laughs> but I, you know, as you can tell, I'm very passionate about this because I know that today is a new day for us and that we are going to go forward stronger than we ever have before. So don't lose hope. Um, celebrate the win that we have had. Celebrate Biden's win. Um, but don't go back to sleep. All right, guys, uh, I'm signing off now, but I'm excited and I will catch up with y'all again next week. Have a good week.